Welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello, created for entrepreneurs and online business owners who know that business gets to be different from what we've been told. Join me and my entrepreneurial guests for insights into how they've created wild success while dropping the hustle and honoring their well-being. Because I believe that success is more than a financial destination. It's how we get to feel every day. Welcome, welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello. I am so excited this week to have on my show with me, Iman Ismail. She is the person to call when you want to make money from your emails. As an email conversion strategist and copywriter at imancopyco.com, she helps six-figure-plus business owners and e-commerce brands fire up their conversions, evergreen their sales, and turn fans into superfans. She's worked with powerhouses like Emily Thompson from Being Boss, Joanna Weeb from Copy Hackers and Interact, the quiz platform. And when she's not writing high converting emails for clients or delivering workshops, she's asking extraordinary business owners to share their biggest business mistakes on her podcast, Mistakes That Made Me, which happens to be doing incredibly well. And if you haven't listened to it, I must say you must go listen to it because it's amazing. Um, And considering it's, it's such a new podcast, it's incredible how well it's been doing in the charts. Thank you. Thank you so much, Polly. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so amazed that you listened to my podcast. So thank you. <laughs> and thanks for the shout out. I'm super excited to be here chatting to you. So I'm so excited to have Aman on this call with me today. And actually, she was one of the first people I thought to reach out to when I was thinking about inviting guests onto this show. Predominantly because Iman and I have something in common in that we both kind of came from a service provider background in terms of supporting other entrepreneurs with growing their businesses and helping them get very rich and perhaps not taking as much a share of that cut as we should have been earlier on. And what's really astounded me is the um, kind of speed with which when Aman had made her decision about how she was going to build her life around her business or build her business around her life, should I say, how fast things have materialized for her and how much success she's created in such an incredibly short period of time. Not without, I'm sure, a lot of work behind that. And so I was really excited to invite Iman on because I think it's really highly inspiring her story to others who perhaps are those burnt out service providers or those undercharging service providers. I think Iman's story is immensely inspiring. So let's just get started with where you're at right now, Iman. I'd love for you to share what your life looks like right now before we kind of dig into what it looked like before that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I always feel so weird describing life now because it just feels so kind of not typical. But right now, as of today, I have two, I have two boys. Um, One is six and the other has just turned one and he is on his third full day of daycare. So this is actually like before we sat down to record this, I was like wandering around the house thinking, oh my gosh, it's so quiet. I get to record a podcast episode without worrying about (laughs) the baby screaming in the background. I am just back to working full time. So this is my first week back of working full time. It feels really weird. Um, I self-funded my own maternity leave and was able to take some time off for seven or eight months. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. (laughs) But since then, I've really been working around the baby. So I've been working in his nap times when he's asleep. Um, I've had him at home with me full time. So I've really been running the business around his schedule which has been an experience as of today actually I was just kind of looking at where I'm at and considering I've taken three full months off this year because I really decided that I am going to schedule all the time off I want and then work my business in around that I'm still on track to hit my personal goal of of six figures this year which feels which felt completely undoable considering I was working around babies nap times as well on top of all, all that time off that I took and so I guess I'm in I'm at this stage where I'm kind of realizing well what's really possible and also this weird stage where you know I'd created this business around having one child and I made it work it worked really well for me and I've suddenly realized well now I have two kids and so now there might have to be some there might have to be more changes that I have to make. Like the business that I had worked amazingly well for me with one kid. And now I need a business that works amazingly well with two. So I'm in the process of trying to figure out, well, you know, how can I create even more space and time for me? Because things can get pretty intense, as you can imagine. When you're working with clients um, so much, things can be intense. Clients need their work very quickly. And 
it can feel like a lot sometimes. So I also have like a coach inside of my business that where I coach copywriters, I have a mastermind. So I'm kind of thinking, do I move into that side a little bit more than I have been doing? So yeah, still figuring things out, but things are going well. And um, I feel like I'm in this new world of, oh my gosh, I have time again. <laughs> I love what you're sharing because I think it's so relevant to so many well, mothers, you know, that the reality is when we have children, our businesses have to shift around it. And I have to say one of the most eye-opening things that have happened to me is recognizing that actually, like you say, how much you can actually build in so little time. And actually, it's so nice to recognize that when the children get older, which may be a while away still, but that maybe, you know, that freedom gets to remain. Doing more doesn't necessarily mean you're creating or achieving more or earning more. Um, so I'd love to kind of zoom out a bit in terms of it's really exciting to hear how your children motivated this evolution in your business. And I definitely want to probe you more on the coaching part later as well. But let's go back a bit. I would like, you know, for anyone who is new to yourself and your journey, what did it look like at the very beginning? I mean, how long have you been in business and what did it look like at the beginning of your journey? So, let's look in the online space here yeah well I I was working for um, a charity a small food charity and I was basically running the communications department and I left that role because I was having to commute every day and uh, to a different city so by the time I got home my then two-year-old I only had one kid at that point in 2018 um I'd get home and my son would be asleep I'd get home like eight o'clock and it was re- it was devastating because it got to a point where I barely saw him. And I just remembered thinking, like, I don't I don't know how it got to this point. I had taken this job to create a better life for him and for me. And it it somehow turned into I'd never see my son anymore. And um there were some hard conversations with my then manager. And, you know, I asked him, is is there a chance I'd be able to do this? role from home because it was very possible um in terms of what the role actually was and he said no there will never be a time where you're working from home more than you're at the office so that was really all I needed to hear um I also knew that I kind of could have been paid more as well um and so I thought well that's it I am I need to start my own business because I, I was really tired and feeling really disillusioned by just traditional employment the workplace and feeling like there wasn't really a place for um for mothers and for people who had you know young people to take care of uh, so I decided that I needed to create my own business with my own schedule that you know um put my kid at the center of it and you know the lifestyle that I wanted at the center of it so I did that. I handed in my resignation. I had a month's notice to work and then I left with no backup job, no savings. I only had the money from, you know, that last month of being paid. And I remember just thinking this really has to work. So I left on the Friday by the Monday, I was sat in an office working on my business, working with my first client actually. And, um, from that point on, it's just always been about building a business that allows me to be the parent that I want to be. Um, And so, you know, initially I could never pick up, I couldn't pick up my son from school, uh, from nursery at that point it was. I had to hire a child uh, minder to do it. And that was really upsetting for me because, I mean, it's such a small part of the day, but it's such a big part of the day. And Mm. I felt like I was missing out on so much of his life, you know. And then as soon as I had my own business, I could, I took him to nursery every every morning, picked him up um, every day. I was going on his like nursery trips with him. I remember at one point sitting on the coach to this farm trip that we were going on and being the only parents out on this coach and just thinking, what an amazing business I have that has allowed me to be here because I can only imagine how many parents wanted to be there but just can't and so that's my life today I my goal was to spend a year or to have my now baby um with me for a full year at home and to send him to daycare once he was one and to create a business that just allowed me to live the life that I, I really want. And, and I have to say, I'm still working on the life that I want part. I feel like it's allowed me to be the mother that I want to be, which is amazing. Mm. But I, if I'm totally honest, I'm at a stage in my life now where I'm like, 
I don't have room for anything else. Like I need to create room for other things. So like I'm, I'm trying to learn a new language now. I've signed up for boxing classes. I'm trying to, you know, find joy in something other than my business. Cause I think something that's really easy to do is just, you know, when you love your business to do nothing else but that. So um, that's what the kind of history of my business looks like. And in terms of, you know, um, who I guess is on my team I've had various kind of virtual assistants so it's not just been me um all the time I've had a social media manager at one point um but now it's just me um an intern that is working with me for the next uh, five months actually and um and I have a podcast producer as well who, who works on me who works with me on my podcast but that's it small small lean team I love that and I think what's really inspiring listening to everything you were just sharing is that you always you're always available for more. You're always looking for the next thing to kind of make your life better. So, you know, it's no small feat to have created a business that allows you to be the mother you desire to be. And the fact that perhaps it's not the whole human experience you'd like it to be yet, but you're creating those opportunities for yourself through signing yourself up for boxing classes and language lessons is just fantastic. Um, Because that's the thing, right? I think we're always aspiring for more, but it's very hard to actually you know, make it all happen. This morning, my partner told me off of the cold tub we have in the back garden and went, I know you're very happy you've bought this, Poppy, but you've only used it once this week so far. <laughs> and I was like, well, I shared it on Instagram. Did that not count? Um, so, so, you know, we, we can like, I think, but a lot of the time we need to be kind to ourselves and, and allow those baby steps because, you know, as you know, from the outside looking in at your journey, like I say, from my perception, it seems like it's happened really quickly, but I know very much when you're in your own journey, it can feel immensely slow. And I'd really like to kind of um, highlight what you were just sharing about what it is to be a mother and to be employed and how limiting it can feel. And I think there'll be various people listening to this who will really relate to that. And it was my journey too. I was a marketer with really great experience who couldn't get a job at any marketing agency in the UK when I moved back, because a lot of them highlighted things like, we go bowling on Thursdays, we have Prosecco Fridays. And for lots of young people, that's an advantage, right? But for somebody like myself, who's got two small children to get home to, Mm -hmm. I knew that I would be that kind of annoying, neglected, probably not even hired employee, because my priority would be getting back to my children. And so I really love that you're sharing this journey, because you could have played small, you could have allowed for less, in terms of being a mother. And let's face it, these early years of having small children, you don't get that time back. So you prioritizing that for now, I'm sure get to the stage where it gets to be more about yourself. But I love that you allowed that for yourself. And actually, what you've created in terms of a career, I imagine is, like you say, not just giving you more time freedom, but actually giving you higher financial potential in terms of what you can be creating. So you've kind of gone from what felt like a very limiting experience to kind of smashing a whole (laughs) bunch of glass ceilings and and creating what it is that you desire which is amazing yeah no I I totally agree and I think thank you so much for saying that but I I totally agree with what you said around um I guess the financial differences as well because we have this conversation so much about how much money matters and at the end of the day I believe money matters because of the things that it can afford you, that it can give you. It's not the money itself, right? It's the things mm-hmm. that money can give you for you and your family. Um, and so I had this really interesting experience where I I was going out to buy a new secondhand car and, um, and I really liked my old car. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy the same, the same model, the same, whatever, everything. I don't care. I really don't care about cars very much. It's like, whatever. I just need a car that gets me from like from A to B because um, I'm tired of walking around with two kids. Um, and so I was getting ready to buy the same model and the same version car that I'd had previously. And then I went on Instagram and this is going to sound, the story gets better. Okay. I went on Instagram and I saw a client had shared a reel of her buying her new car. And she was so excited and so like proud of herself that her business has allowed her to buy this new car, like her dream car. And I just looked at her and I thought, I want to be that excited. Like, I don't, mm. maybe I don't just want to buy the old model, like the, the same car that I'd had before. Actually, I think I want to look at my car and think, 
there's my hard work. Like this is what my business has been able to, to, to do for me and my family. And so watching that excitement and that, that pride in my client made me actually decide to not go with the same car model and same car version and to actually to get an upgrade because my, my life has upgraded my quality of life in terms of just how I like my life. I was, I was depressed when I was working in that old job. I was very depressed and thankfully I'm not anymore. (laughs) And I want to be able to like, look at my life and think like my, my business did that. How amazing is that? And it's, Mm. it's, so it's actually motivating for me now, every time I go to my car and I think, well, this is what, this is what, my business can do this is what money can do it's not about the money itself it's about how it makes you feel and and how it you know helps your family and the fact that I don't have to walk 20 minutes in the rain anymore to take my son to his activities you know and I can enjoy the experience of taking him and and just seeing how excited he was that we had this new bright vibrant car you know and so you're right it's not just about the space and the time and allowing you know me to be the mother that I want to be which is all amazing as well but it has had a real, you know, financial impact and difference. And, and we talk so much about whether money matters. And sometimes there's, there's so much shame around caring about money, but it's okay to care about money. And, I, and I'll say it's so much easier for people who've always had money to talk about not caring about money. Um, yes. And this, yeah, the <laughs> truth is <laughs> people who have experienced not having money can say much more easily and much more honestly that, you know, you know, yeah. I like having money. It's it's great not being, you know, or not struggling for money anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it takes on a different um, kind of meaning as well when we become a parent and a provider exactly. because it's no longer just yourself that it impacts. And also your your story is impacting your children and what they grow up with and what they believe is possible for them. So truly creating a life that you feel you have curated around what you're earning, around what, you know, the time you make available for yourself to do the things that matter is all going to impact how they grow up and how they move in the world. And that's immensely important, particularly if at some point in your journey, you didn't have that level of self-esteem and that level of self-belief to create the things you desire. And I love that story you just shared about the car, because I feel like that's what I see you doing in many areas of your life. You know, it's not settling for what you see already it's actually being curious and playing with how it gets to look like, you know, and I also think that it, this doesn't always come back to money either, because I know when I talk to a lot of my coaching clients, I speak to them in a similar way and, and encourage them to kind of create a little tiny bit in their day or in their week, you know, start really slowly baby steps towards allowing themselves more of what they want, you know, before they even have the money, you know, what clothes make them feel good? What, what car, you know, do they really like? And it's not necessarily stuff that needs to be on a vision board. I love the idea of bringing what you can into today. So I absolutely love what you're doing. And I love how I see that being a common thread through absolutely everything you do. Now, I think another thing I f- really find interesting about your journey, um, which I haven't spoken about yet on this podcast is I think being a service provider becomes a million times more challenging as soon as you have children and not just for the obvious reasons in terms of time constraints, but energetically when you're giving so much away to your children, it can feel like an extra pull when, when a client then says they need something as well. Um, So would you like to share a bit more about what that journey has been like for you? That's been really hard. Um, That's been really hard because it's it's so funny you say that no one's ever asked me this question before but I just feel it so strongly and I understand it so clearly um <laughs> I have I, I think I have days where I'm like everybody in the world wants something from me or needs yes. something from me and it feels like there's just so much that I have to do for everyone else it can feel really energetically exhausting absolutely um and then on top of that I, I guess I, I, I multiplied that by creating a coaching experience with, with copywriters where they, they do need my time and my support. And mm. a lot of that is emotional. And I think even the experience as a sole service provider, yes, it's, you know, logistically clients need these deliverables from you, but it is also an emotional experience. Often, like, I feel like I'm almost a coach to my clients as well in terms of guiding them and coaching them through emotions and nerves and excitement especially you know for um clients who are doing launches like it's a very emotional thing because this is 
this is their real life, you know, this is whether they're going to make the revenue that they need to make for the next, you know, year. So it's definitely something I've struggled with. I've tried to create a kind of container with, um, with how I work with my clients. So I Mm. do VIP weeks where a client gets one week of my time per project so it's one week per project and for me that's worked really well because yes it's an intense week but there's a start there's a very defined start and there's a very defined end (laughs) to this week so that's been really helpful in allowing me to um not burn myself out too much um physically and energetically too but it's definitely something I'm still working on. And like I said, this is it, the VIP week worked amazingly well when I had when I had one kid. Um, I will say it didn't work brilliantly when I had my son full time at home with me, the baby, mm. because I mean, I had a baby with me while I was trying yes. to work. So it was just hard. Now he's gone back to daycare. I've, I'm telling or started daycare. I'm telling myself that I'm going to give myself like a trial period and see how, you know, see if it still feels good. And then, and then yeah. at the end of that trial period, I'll, I'll reflect and reevaluate and think about whether I need to make some changes to how I serve clients. Um, but it's really interesting because I haven't always been interested in doing like really long term, like ongoing monthly work with clients. But now I kind of have that itch where I'm like, I would love just one client maybe that I'm working with long term, especially because I do email. I would love to just take over one brand's email long term and just experiment and test and, you know, create like a really strong relationship with with this one this one client or this one brand. Um, so my needs seem to be changing as well and my desires, which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think what's really lovely to um, hear in what you're saying and, and kind of witness in what you do is that you really, I don't want to say effortlessly because that maybe is making too many presumptions, but there's a real evolution in yourself that your business follows alongside and I really like that because I think in business a lot of people create a lot of self-imposed rules of well x this person's doing that so I need to do that too or or this advert's telling me the only way to be successful is this so if I do that that's really risky and I really enjoy the the way you speak so intuitively about well what feels good to me now And, and what we both know is in the kind of work we do that if you feel good about what you're doing, you're going to deliver the very best client experience. You're going to deliver the very best work, which then always creates more work. But when you kind of go out of alignment with what feels good or what is physically possible, that's when we kind of see the kind of um, mistakes creep in. Now, you mentioned boundaries earlier, and I want to come back to this because um, talking to your VIP weeks, obviously what you've done there is you've created a kind of structure around how you serve your your offers, which I think is a huge part, right? You know, it's, it's about creating offers that feel good to you, that you can really deliver upon. So that's obviously, and I, I as the recipient of two of your VIP weeks, I want to say that they are fantastic. And yes, you're very right when you do some very beautiful coaching around those as well. So yes, you are incredible. (laughs) But anyway, I would like to expand upon this because as you mentioned earlier, when you're supporting, you know, launches and things like that, when you're looking after somebody's, you know, an important part of somebody's business, um, that can bring some a, a variety of emotions and feelings from a variety of different people. I mean, obviously, everyone handles things differently. And I'm curious to know, aside from how you package up your offers, if there's any other kind of boundaries you have in place to help protect your energy, because like you say, you, you care um, and the best service, and I think most service providers do care, otherwise we wouldn't get into the kind of work we do. You know, we want people to succeed. Um, but obviously you can you can get very lost in that caring if, if we don't put certain boundaries in place. So I'm really curious to know what what things do you do to, let's, I know it sounds a bit corny to say, protect your energy, but I'm going to run with that. What do you do to protect your energy around serving clients as well outside of how you structure your offers? This is such a good question. And I I feel like boundaries is something I, han- I handle quite well. Um, obviously, there are times when, you know, you have you have your moments. But generally, I think this is something that I'm, I'm quite good at. One thing is just helping clients understand how I work and 
reinforcing those kind of boundaries at every step. So for example, this is a good example. I, so with my VIP weeks, it's a very, it's a VIP, very intensive service because it happens so quickly. There's so much work that happens in that one week to get the delivered product. So I don't offer um, revision cycles for the final deliverable of, of copy. So this this could be quite weird for some clients who've worked with copywriters before, some copywriters who, you know, provide three rounds of edits or revisions or even like even five sometimes. So for someone to say, I, I don't provide any edits, that could go down not fantastically. Um, or a client could just try to, um, and this has happened, a client could try to just get edits anyway. I know that edits can go on for a very long time. And so I have a very clear boundary that I don't do edits. Instead, what I do is I offer a 30 minute call where we can go through edits together on this live call. And then that is the container for edits, 30 minutes of uh, question and answers and live edits if needed. And that's it. Over communicate, firstly, is mm. over communicate. So I remind clients at every possible point, although they don't get, edits or a revision cycle we can go through edits in the 30 minute call this is the place well I introduce it first in our discovery call when we first talk before they're even a client then I'll remind them in the the briefing call and then I'll remind them in the uh, video that I record when I send over the copy and then I remind them again <laughs> when um in the actual copy so before they start reading the copy there are some notes and it reminds them of that again um, and then in the email where I send across the copy, I remind them of that again. And so I don't think there's such a thing as over communicating um, mm. because I guarantee you a client isn't always reading or listening to everything that I'm saying. They have so much going on in their own minds anyway. And so for me, repeating messages is a really um, is a really good way to go. And I don't mean repeat as in just be annoying. Um, I mean, repeat because you understand that sometimes people just need to hear a message more than once before it really registers you know but I'm preparing for them maybe not necessarily knowing or understanding how I work or why I work that way so over communication is the first one and then I think in terms of the emotions that can come with clients because there are there can be some very big emotions um I've realized that what clients need is a leader and I think this comes with experience on 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 my part so initially mm. a client freaking out would have freaked me out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have freaked out initially like one year old copywriter two-year-old copywritery man um, but after four years I know that a client is coming to me because I'm the expert and mm. I'm the kind of um I'm the stable one here I'm the I'm the leader yes they're a leader in their own field and I work with amazing clients like you so when it comes to their own fields they know exactly what they're doing but when it comes to email they don't know I'm the one who knows so I have to be that steady kind of firm confidence for them sometimes they just need a confidence boost and they just yes. need me to remind them how great they are and how you know this is going to work and I've done this many times I'm the expert you can trust me you know and so it's about building that trust and also you know if they ever do get worried or concerned like I had a client the other day who was launching and who was playing around with the headline that I'd written which sounds like nothing okay but the headline is crucial because yes, if a person, yeah so if a person you know sees a headline and doesn't like it they will they won't continue to read the sales page which is what I'd written for this particular particular client and so she's thinking oh it's not a big deal just fiddling with the headline and I was like no 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 um she she said like you know what do you think about this for the headline and I told her I would advise the original <laughs> Yeah. that I wrote <laughs> and I think old me wouldn't have been confident enough to say please do go back to the original that I wrote <laughs> but new me knows like this is what the client needs the client needs you yes. to tell the truth and to lead them and so in terms of um boundaries I, I, oh gosh it's it's so much it's been a whole experience and I will say that I've had to in order to kind of create boundaries I've had to have experiences where clients have completely destroyed them in order for me to mm -hmm. even know well what boundaries do I have and how do I assert them 
Yeah, no. Well, I think you and I definitely have that in common. And I think it's one of those things that I certainly notice in the service providing space never entirely goes away. And actually, that this kind of crosses over nicely into what I wanted to talk to you about, because one of my experiences this summer was one of my service providing, um, one of my clients who is a Facebook ads client, asked me, well, said sent me a message when I was on my two-week holiday, the first two-week holiday I'd taken in two years since launching my online business, sent me a 10-minute long boxer saying to me, if she had known I was taking a holiday, she wouldn't have taken a holiday herself that, that summer. Wow. <laughs> Despite the fact that she had an ad manager allocated to her and so the service and everything that was being provided remained the same and actually I was checking in in the morning so it was one of those ooh moments which um what was funny as a contrast to that was that all my coaching clients were going oh my gosh Polly it's so inspiring to see where you are right now and we can't wait to build a business like yours that allows us to kind of hire a big villa and you know take our kids somewhere beautiful with a lovely pool etc And in that moment, I really just thought, I know what I want to be doing more of right now, Uh (laughs) because there is that weird contrast between a client's expectations when you're providing a service versus a client's expectations when you're their coach. And I really love what you shared there about the um, how actually in many ways you're being a best service to your client when you don't go down, you don't meet them at their level in terms of where they're at energetically Mm -hmm. and you stand in your power and invite them to join you up there and help them feel that sense of confidence and peace. Um, And obviously in your journey, you are an excellent coach. Again, I actually followed one of your launches and I was like, I wish I was a copywriter because this program, (laughs) is it, does it do it like a boss? What's the program called? Like a boss. Like a boss is like a mastermind for copywriters. Like a boss. I I just, I mean, I was like, if I was a copywriter, I would be all over that. Um, I really loved how you kind of coached on various lessons, um, you know, in the kind of the the lead up to it. I think you did a series of lives. I think it was last June, June 4 last, perhaps even. And I was watching them all thinking, you're amazing. Um, But it's really true that when you're a service provider, there is definitely that crossover of, you know, when we have that moment of recognition where we recognize actually probably about 50 to 60% of the work we do is actually, it is being that, that holding that space for that client and being that kind of source of stability for them and coaching them through, you know, through, through the things that they need. Um, and that, that is a very powerful tool by itself and something that you can then extend into this program that you've created Um, And I know you mentioned earlier on that that's something you feel like you might be gravitating towards even more. So would you, I mean, I think anyone who's listening who might be feeling a bit like service providing is burning them out a bit, it'd be really interesting for you to share what the transition was like for you moving from being somebody who predominantly wrote copy for business owners, very successful business owners, to recognizing that you have skills that you can be teaching to others who would like to be on a similar path to yourself. Have I got that part right or is it? (laughs) Yes, no, exactly. Well, it was interesting because I created it because people were asking me to create something like that and were were showing an interest and wanted to learn from me. So for me, I was just on a day-to-day basis, kind of just doing the thing, running the business. And I like to think of myself as a business owner before a copywriter. I love Mm -hmm. running a business. I feel like it was something I was made to do. And I feel like everything that happened in my life like led to this point where I am running my own business. I just love it so much. And I like to think that if I was to replace the copywriting with something else that I'd still know how to run a successful business, I hope. Mm. <laughs> and maybe of I'll test that would. one day. Like my dream is to run a product <laughs> business one day. I don't know what product or what, but one day. Um, and so I think people saw that, that I was good at the business side. And I think that's what a lot of service providers are missing. Like they're, they're great at their craft. They know how to do that, whether it's copywriting, designing, um, you know, whatever it is. But when it comes to actually running the business and making, you know, money and making sure that side of things is running, not so good. And so firstly, realizing that um, I had a skill that not everyone had that I could teach was an amazing kind of realization and moment. Mm. And then I, I love like training and teaching and coaching. And so turning, well, firstly, figuring out what it was that helped make my, made, make my business successful, Mm. figuring out what it was that helped make my business successful was a fun activity in itself and then trying to turn that into lessons and trainings and video modules. I, I enjoyed that whole process. I was heavily pregnant as well at the time. 
So that was a lot. I was doing those lives that you spoke about because I was, I was doing those daily Instagram lives as part of the launch. I was heavily pregnant, sat in this like boiling uh, co-working space, sweating my head off, <laughs> thinking this baby needs to come out. Um, <laughs> and so that part of it was a lot. But I loved the process of getting these 12 copywriters because it was limited to 12 copywriters and still is together, getting them together and helping them, well, firstly, teaching them what I know and really mm. giving them access, like all behind the scenes access to my entire business, my, you know, um, my onboarding, offboarding, you know, lead generation, my templates and copy decks and like things that nobody had ever seen before, just sharing it all and watching them just go, wow, like I can, can I use this? I can take this, I can use it for my own business. And then watching them do that and then just fly with it and seeing them make more money and, and, and get more clients and build a business that they actually want to run instead of one that they're trying to run away from. Um, you know, becoming more confident in dealing with clients and learning how to say no to clients and figuring out what they want and they, what they don't want. It was so inspiring for me to watch them. And I think going back to what you were talking about, about energy, that was the boost of energy that I really needed was to just watch other copywriters kind of um just just do better and be happier mm -hmm. and make more money as well and so I have run that I've run the mastermind um twice so far um and I've done it once a year it's worked out so far and I would like to do it more but I know that in order to do it more I would need to like increase my kind of output in terms of firstly marketing and then also just lead generation. Because as you can imagine, if you, you can't constantly, you know this, you can't constantly launch yes. the same thing to the same list without having new people on that list kind of coming through, refreshing that list, right? Otherwise- Indeed, I wish more people knew that. Things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, ideally I'd be running it a couple of times a year um, rather than once a year because I do enjoy it so much. And I mean, when we get to the end, um, the co copywriters are all like, okay, this was an amazing 12 weeks. Can you like create a community because I don't want to leave? Um, mm. So that's been really interesting because my answer has been no so far because my, my fear around creating kind of an ongoing community like an, a year round community is that energetically I won't be able to handle that like it will be that feeling all year round of people everybody needing something from me all the time and I have you know periods of overwhelm where I'm like I just imagining kind of slack going off all year round <laughs> a lot to me so I'm trying to I mean that's I guess that's another example of a boundary where for me right now a community is not an option but those kind of um short-term intense masterminds are working very well for me although I have after working with you Polly and seeing how evergreen the evergreen kind of system and process works for you you presented that to me in a way that made a lot of sense and made me actually think hmm could I should I rework the mastermind so that it's an evergreen kind of thing and kind of like you do with with your power of one program but scale with the power of one well, you know um, what I'll say to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's very interesting to hear what you say about, you know, a year round or, you know, have a long container is that in my experience, when you have something like that, as long as you have the boundaries and again, people understand when you're available and when you're not available, like, for example, we have an integration week once a week, uh, once a month, once a week, that, that would be a bit <laughs> excessive. Uh, once a month, there's one week where there's no coaching calls. And actually, people don't tend to post very much in the group in that week either. I think they kind of respect that there's one week where we kind of all chill out a bit. And that has been that, that has made a huge difference to my ability to run long term containers, because, you know, there's one week where you're not regularly showing up on Zoom. And because it is, there's a lot, you know, it's quite exhausting for the brain to constantly be strategically thinking on behalf of like various other businesses. Yes. So to give yourself a week off where you focus solely on. So there are various strategies out there that would work for you, but I'm not going to go into that right now because <laughs> I don't think that's the, the listener's best interest. But yes, I think that would be amazing and it is incredible like what you have set up would be absolutely perfect for evergreen mm -hmm. um oh my gosh so I guess I mean it's just so lovely listening to everything you say like I feel like underpinning it all there's that sense of curiosity playfulness honoring yourself honoring where you're at in life because I think it's very easy for us women mothers 
I, it's, I always find it now that my children are six and eight and I hear other people talking about maternity leave and their desire to get back into work. I, I can already feel myself being that really irritating woman going, oh, but it's only a year. <laughs> you know, they're only little for so long. I don't say it, but I definitely think it and feel it because now time has gone by a bit further. I recognize how it's not very long. And I also recognize when you are your own business owner, it can feel like an, you know, an eternity yeah. of not working or not being fully at your full potential. Um, having said that, I think a lot, you know, hearing you being heavily pregnant, having one of your best business breakthroughs, I think that also very much happens. You know, my first business breakthrough was when I was breastfeeding my daughter, very bored at 4am. And that's when all the ideas would always flood in. So wow, I think it's really beautiful to kind of watch your evolution. And, but I do think that part of honoring yourself is really, really pivotal, because I think where a lot of women hold themselves back in the evolution of their business and building a business that fits around what it is that they want to prioritize. Is there a lot of stories of, I can't, I shouldn't, what would this person think? Is this allowed? Do I have permission? And what I really like about listening to you is I'm kind of curious if those questions even really come up in your head, because I definitely see, even if they do, it feels like you have a very good kind of compass that brings you back to you um, and allows you to be creative with how you run your business to allow for the things that you desire and things like your podcast, I imagine, you know, a part of that. Again, you feel that when you listen to your podcast, because there is that genuine passion that underpins it, which makes it fantastic. Because if you're doing something for the sake of feeling like you have to do something, it's never going to be great, right? So listening to all of that, that's what I observe. But I'm really curious to know from your part, because there'll be people listening right now who perhaps are either about to become a mom or are a mom and, and they're juggling that really challenging work-life balance, or perhaps it's that they're a service provider and they're really inspired by your journey into becoming a coach. And like you say, your ability to be this fantastic business owner around you know every, all the other incredible skills you have. So I'm curious to know if someone was like in the early stages of their journey and wondering like, what is it like? if I could boil it down to like one to three things that you've always prioritized or focused on or kind of the mantras, what, what is your secret source from where you were at the beginning of your online business journey to where you are now? Like if you could advise somebody on what the three things they should be focusing on, what would they be? Oh, I think the first one is your own personal values. So mm. And I'm trying to get better at this. And I think I've done this all along without actually realizing that this is what I was doing. But as I make decisions, as I create offers and, you know, come up with new ideas, I'm always kind of um, trying to see if they align with what my personal values are, because if they don't, it's not going to work for me long term. Right. And so I was really interested when you said that you felt like, I'm all about curiosity, which is so interesting because that's one of my personal values. Curiosity. Oh, really? That word. Yeah. <laughs> so then as you said that, I had to pull out my book and get out my, my five personal values. Number one, freedom. Number two, flexibility. Number three, wealth. Number four, curiosity. And number five, excellence. And so for me, when I'm making decisions and I'm coming up with new ideas and I'm thinking about working with a client or, you know, who to work with or, you know, what to work on. If it doesn't meet those five things, it's not going to work. And I don't go ahead. So for example, there was a client um, or a potential client that I had a call with just two days ago and she was amazing and her brand was amazing. And we got on so well on a personal level. Uh, but when it came to budget, things just didn't, kind of align she mm. didn't have the budget to work with me and so you know a few years ago I would have just lowered my rates and said you know I really like you really want to work with you let's do this but I know myself so well now that I know it, it that does not align with my personal value of wealth and that goes into flexibility and freedom too because it's, if I lower my rate it's going to affect who I'm able to work with next and it's gonna I'm gonna start feeling resentful in a couple mm. of weeks and I'm gonna start resenting this client this project and nobody wants that and so you know I asked her if she's able to increase her budget <laughs> rather than me lowering mine my rates and she said you know I'm gonna get back to you on Friday and so I'm waiting to hear back from her tomorrow um but you know I actually feel hopeful that that might work out because she she felt really positive about the experience and she was so fantastic and this is why I love and I'm very careful about who I work with 
um, because she said, she actually said herself, you know, I don't want you to lower your rates. I'm going to, I respect your rates and I know you're an expert and I know you're worth it. And I'm going to get back to you and see whether this is possible for me. And I love that. Um, There was another call that I had where um, someone asked me to pencil them in. um, And I said, I'm afraid I don't pencil clients in until payment has been made. Once payment's made, you'll be booked onto my calendar and your spot is reserved. And he did not take that very well at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, at all. And so that's was really interesting for me because that was someone who wasn't happy about me, uh, you know, communicating my boundaries. And so he wanted to work with me and I decided I don't want to work with him. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I told him when I'm a good fit, I won't be working with you because that conversation didn't fit into my personal values. So that's the first one. What are your personal values? Do they align with the decisions that you're making every single day? Um, And then I think the second one is that you're a business owner first. Uh, So yes, focus on your craft, focus on getting good. I am huge in investing in yourself and becoming better at whatever your particular craft is. I've spent a lot of money on, you know, becoming a good email strategist and copywriter. Um, But I'm a business owner first. So when I sit down at my computer for the day, for example, the first thing that I'm thinking is, okay, how do I generate new leads? So whether it's a a social post or I just um, posted a LinkedIn newsletter, for example, this morning, I don't know if it's going to work. It's the first one I've ever done, but you know what? Let me be curious, personal value right there. Let me be curious, try something new, experiment. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's funny because I just, I checked it just before we got on and I think the post had been up for about 10 minutes, I already had 183 subscribers <laughs> to the newsletter, which is crazy, but okay, let's see what happens. Um, so, you know, remember that those times and those periods where you might be busy, super busy with clients or whatever else it is that you're busy with, and you think that your calendar is chock-a-block, don't forget to keep looking for more clients and to yes. keep working on getting more sales because that, that work will go. And once that work finishes or, or goes away, you kind of, sometimes you look up and think, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared. And now I have no one. I have, now I have nothing in the pipeline. So business owner first. And then maybe the third one. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say the third one is increase your rates regularly I want to yes. say I think <laughs> I love that yeah no seriously I had a call with someone not long ago a fellow copywriter who uh, is amazing and, and has been copywriting for 20 odd years and I swear to you her rates were I want to say less than half of what my rates are and I don't understand why like I don't know why um well I can tell you why because she hadn't raised them in 20 yeah. odd years and so I think it's mind blowing to me. It's still mind blowing when I think about it. I raise my rates every few months. And so after I have a particularly good result with a client or a particularly good, you know, um, launch, or I have reason to believe that my rates should probably be a bit higher, those rates increase. And I don't mean once a year. I mean, every few months, um, there's yeah. a, a period of time where like when I was experimenting with this VIP week process, so interesting because I tried a VIP day for initially in 2018 it was basically 300 pounds a day for the day I think nobody bought that offer nobody was so much as interested in that offer when I raised that offer to 1500 people started buying it isn't that crazy and within five months that offer that the price of that offer went up to uh, what it is now, which is um, 3,000, well, no, 3,250. Now it's 3,450. But the, it, like, the price went up dramatically within just five months. I don't know why people think that we have to wait for someone to give us permission or we have to, I don't know, like do our time and like, you know, wait a full year or like th- there's, there's no reason for any of it. Uh, raise your rates every few months and as your experience as your results increase and get better and um yeah just keep going up that ladder as as quickly as you want to 
I absolutely love that. And yeah, I think there's really a case for reassuringly expensive. That is something I'm always drumming home to so many of my, my um, coaching clients. Like you get to be the reassuringly expensive coach. Isn't that so <laughs> yeah. true? It's true. It's so real though. Yeah. Cause I, and I know myself, you know, I was looking at retreats recently and I didn't sign up to them because they were too cheap. And I just, it, cause, cause you're not paying, are you? You're not paying the, the sum of the money doesn't matter. It's the transformation and it's the attachment you have to the investment you're making as to the ROI you expect you're going to get in return. So I just think that's amazing. And I just, I didn't love though, considering I didn't give you any warning <laughs> about those three tips that I'd like you to share. I think those were so, I mean, I'm not surprised as you know, someone who's got an amazing ability with words, you've shared three absolute golden nuggets there that I mean, I couldn't have said anything better. And I absolutely love what you shared on values. And I love that I accidentally picked up on one of your values being curiosity. Isn't that amazing? Um, So it just shows how you truly are aligned to the name of this podcast, embodied in your business, in that I could actually, and, and the other values when you shared them, they didn't surprise me at all because they so align with absolutely everything you share and you do and how you show up and what you create. So that is beautiful. And so I hope if there's one thing anyone takes away from listening to this podcast today, it's that understanding of how important your values are, because Iman really is the walking embodiment of hers. And the fact that they all came across so clearly throughout this entire conversation um, and through everything you've shared in your journey is just beautiful. And they really are one of the very best ways of forming your own internal compass when it comes to making decisions in your business. So thank you so much for joining me today, Aman. Um, If anyone wants to learn about how they can listen to your fabulous podcast or find out more about how they can work with you, where would they find you? Oh, yes. Do go listen to my podcast. It's called Mistakes That Made Me and you can search it and find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, And it's where I interview extraordinary business owners and ask them to share their biggest business mistake. So go have a listen to that. And if you're interested in working with me, I'm always taking on clients. You can find me at imancopyco.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. We will drop all the relevant links below. So you don't have to search far to find out how to reach Iman. So please, please do have a look in the show notes if you'd like to start um, stalking the gorgeous Iman and find out more about how you can either work with her or listen to her fabulous podcast. Thanks again, Iman. Have a wonderful day and you see. Thanks for having me, Polly. You have been listening to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you enjoyed today's episode and are keen to hear more, come on over and join us behind the scenes at Embodied Business Revolution on Instagram. We can't wait to say hi.